And here we go. That's right. Look around. Sit around. Sit down. Stay a while. Yeah, you're in Red's line. And what happened tonight? Well, Sonny Gray did exactly what I said he would do. And the offense did exactly the opposite of what I said it would do. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am splitting the sheets all season long. But let's talk about Sonny Gray. He pitched into the seventh inning, which is what exactly I said these Reds guys needed to do. The Reds pitchers, not guys. When I talked about yesterday, Male and Castillo. Castillo went seven innings the other day, one hit, one earned run. Male yesterday should have went seven innings in that he had only 78 pitches through six innings. Bell pulled him a little early. Maybe Bell listened to Red's line last night and left Sonny Gray out there. Go seven innings. My problem, though, is that I think that uh, Bell should not have pulled Sonny Gray. I think Bell should have let Sonny Gray get that last out in the seventh. But let's go back to Sonny Gray. Remember how I talked about Sonny Gray not being able to get a grip on the ball was 35 degrees, walked four batters, hit one. Well, tonight, I'll guarantee you he had the grip on the ball. It wasn't that cold. I mean, it was chilly, but it wasn't no 35-degree Cincinnati weather, okay? Even though they were in the Steel City. Sonny Gray was awesome. At one point, Sonny Gray had sat down 16 in a row. And another thing, remember yesterday's game recap, how I talked about they have to stop walking batters. Get them to miss in the strike zone. Sonny Gray, first start out, walked four. Tonight, he was sharp. Guess how many he walked? I'll just tell you. Zero walks. Congratulations to Sonny Gray. Really proud of you. You you came out and you did exactly what you used to do in Oakland, which I knew you were going to do. So, yes, Sonny Gray, it's always sunny in Cincinnati, I guess, is what they're saying. So that'll be a little, little Reds line action line from now on, actually. So, Sonny Gray... Not only did he pitch into the seventh, he only allowed three hits the entire time he was out there. One run, one earned run, no walks, seven strikeouts. Lowered his ERA down to 2.89. And I'm telling you what, time to get excited, Cincinnati. Even though, okay, let me tell you, it was another two to nothing shutout. Three shutouts in a row for the it's early people. Yeah, seven games, four shutouts, not looking good, okay? We'll talk about that later. But right now, I want to give so much positive uh, props to Sonny Gray, who signed that $30.5 million extension after he was traded for Shed Long and a draft pick that was a competitive balance pick. Sonny Gray was nothing short of spectacular, the Reds are so lucky that they've had three starts in a row. Castillo, Male, and now Gray. 
this is the greatest news that we've had this entire short season with these uh, losses piling up. The other reason I said that Gray should have been uh, not pulled when he did and allowed to get out of the inning, he was only at 83 pitches. Sonny Gray, the only problem was he had lost a little bit off that curveball. Out of his seven strikeouts, four came on that curve. Now, Sonny Gray throws a two-seamer, a four-seamer, a slider, and a curve, and that curve had great break on it. Again, four Ks out of the seven were on the curve. And what happened is, uh, you know, uh, DUI Kang uh, got a uh, curveball that didn't curve. And that's what happened, and that's how they scratched a run across Sonny Gray in the seventh. And then this is where David Bell's rookie manager inexperience comes to light. So Sonny Gray sitting there at 83 pitches. DUI King gets a hanging breaking ball. And David Bell pulls him and brings in Amir Garrett. Now, let me tell you something, David Bell, if you're listening to this podcast, because I think you might have listened to it last night. Out of your three left-handers in the bullpen, Amir Garrett is not your loogie. And for those of you who are listening that don't know what a loogie is, that means it's like a left-handed specialist. They come in for one left-handed batter. So David Bell, out of Wandy Peralta, Zach Duke, and Amir Garrett, Amir Garrett is your guy that can go an inning or two. So... But that's not even the point here, because I'm about to tell you that the next inning, you had the pitcher spot coming open, so why would you waste Amir Garrett? You're 83 pitches with Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was rolling. You leave him out there to get out of that inning. Hopefully, he only need to get one more uh, fielded ball or whatever have you. He needed one more out. But what do you do, David Bell? You brought in Amir Garrett with the pitching with with the pitching position in the lineup coming up the very next inning. And so now you gotta waste Amir Garrett. It wouldn't have been so bad if you would have just brought in Duke here for this situation. But no, you bring in Amir Garrett in a loogie situation. And now, now here's the thing, David Bell. I know you think you're right because Amir Garrett struck out the hitter. But do you understand where you have a couple more innings to play in this baseball game? There is nine. And you weren't looking to the next inning because you would have not have wasted it, Amir Garrett. So here's what you should have done. You should have let Sonny Gray finish that inning. And then you did exactly – the reason I said you were listening is because I haven't even gotten to this part, ladies and gentlemen, where Scott Shelber wasn't in the starting lineup, which he shouldn't be, and David Bell deployed him exactly how I should said Scott Shelber should be deployed as a pinch hitter late in games against relievers that are throwing heat, and that's why I said David Bell probably listened last night to Resline. So who's he, who's he pinch hit Amir Garrett for? Scott Shelber, which is the correct batter because you got Kella, Right? Who throws heat? The Pirates got him from the Rangers last uh, last trade deadline when they were trying to bolster their pitching staff. So 
It, he used everything correctly as I'm saying it, except why would you, you just waste Amir Garrett? So I'm hoping he learns from this. And uh, so guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Shelbourne didn't strike out. Kelly didn't get any Ks either. But you're facing a pitcher that is primarily throwing heat, and that's where Scott Shelbourne can be used on this particular roster against heat, hard-throwing right-handers coming out of the bullpen as a pinch hitter. And if he would have got a hit, you know, it would have looked a lot better. But that's that's exactly how you need to deploy uh, Scott Shebler late in games. But here's the next part where it gets even crazier. So, the next inning, guess who David Bell brings out? He brings out David Hernandez. Now, David Hernandez just got used yesterday. And I know that these relievers should be able to come on back-to-back days. But David Bell, this is your seventh game. You got eight relievers. And if you go back and look at all these box scores, you'll see you're losing all these relievers. The only efficient game you've had is with Castillo through seven. And then you had two relievers come in after that, pitched the eighth and ninth. But the rest of them look like some kind of a, I don't know, all-star game <laughs> uh, box score for pitchers. So you bring in David Hernandez for the second straight game, and you saw David Hernandez wasn't even really on the ball yesterday. Well, I said David Hernandez really didn't ha- – it wasn't his fault, but he was getting hit a little bit, ran into some bad luck with some Peraza fielding out there. But why are you bringing in David Hernandez on back-to-back days? It doesn't make any sense, David Bell. Anything you're doing make, doesn't make sense except what you listen to me on Red's line and use Scott Shelbler as a pinch hitter against a hard-throwing right-hander and Kella coming out of the bullpen. So then David Hernandez is getting into trouble, got runners on the bases, and then David Bell brings in his loogie against a left-hander, and the left-hander, let me say something. Zach Duke is throwing junk up there, and uh, he got a off-speed pitch to hit her, and, and, and it got into the, uh, the left-field corner. And so now we're sitting here with a 2 no nothing uh, deficit for the Reds, which isn't that horrible, I'm not even saying this, but in these close games, David Bell, you've got to be managing and, and thinking ahead. So then... It's just two to nothing. The uh, Pirates closer comes in, shuts the door, and I want to give him props again for the second straight day to Yasiel Puig. He was the last out of the game, and he ran that ball out as hard as he could. Didn't it wasn't safe, but man, you know, top of the ninth, down two to nothing, two outs, and he was hustling, and that's all you could ask from Yasiel Puig. So, let's talk about what else is going on. Let's talk about the lineup. Let's talk about the offense, the bad things. Okay, it's early crowd. You may want to turn off Red's line because your feelings are going to get hurt. This is where the Reds have some problems. And I am so happy that somebody finally listened to Red's line 
and put Scott Shelber on the bench. But what I don't understand is, why are you playing Jesse Winker in center? Now, I already mocked, I can't remember who it was, but it was someone in the local Cincinnati media for writing an article about how uh, Jesse Winker would be the backup center fielder, which is just a joke in itself. You know how I get on my rants about the Reds have like 15 left fielders? Well, Jesse Winker's one of them. And while Scott Shebler has no business in center field, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but if Scott Shebler doesn't have any business in center field, then Jesse Winker has no business being in the ballpark as related to center field. He's actually a uh, worse fielder than Shebler as far as center field goes. So I'm not knocking Jesse Winker. I'm knocking the people that are putting him in center field, the people who are putting Scott Shebler in center field, because it you would never do it. No other team would do it. So, uh, but I'll go back to the good part about the bad things. <laughs> uh, they finally bench Shebler or give him a day off or whatever they're doing. I hope he's benched again tomorrow. So, they got Kemp in left, Winker in center, and Puig in right. And what's really begs the question, now, does Puig just not want to play center field? Because... That's kind of alarming a little bit to me because Puig has the uh, capabilities to cover a little bit more ground in center, but he has that rocket arm. So I'm trying to figure out, is it the Reds, Brass, and David Bell goes, okay, we got this elite right fielder, this right fielder rocket arm. Let's keep him in right field and let's just struggle in uh, center. So if that's the case, I can kind of understand it. I can kind of understand it. But then again, it all goes back to the offseason and roster malpractice and why are you carrying 29 left fielders? So they got Winker in center, which is going to be a disaster, and they got Kemp in left, who I'll tell you what, Kemp made a great play on a diving catch, and it was pretty awesome. And you got to give uh, Matt Kemp uh, that a boy and because uh, that was a lot of effort right there. And uh, I don't have a problem with Matt Kemp. I think, you know, he was one of my uh, players I kept an eye on as he was coming up because, you know, I thought he was like a triple crown contender, man, when he was first, uh, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old, really impressive hitter. I think, I might be wrong on this, but I think he had a high 300 average at a short cup of coffee when he first came up. But uh, everybody was like, man, this Matt Kemp's going to be a world beater. And he's still a pretty talented player. So, at least the Reds are trying to go, okay, Kemp, Winker, and Puig is the right outfielders to use. But the problem is that you didn't, you didn't think about this in the offseason good enough. You did this trade, which I agree with the trade. I agree 100% with the trade for Bailey and bringing back Wood, Kemp, and Puig. But what you needed to do, Reds front office, was to move that $14.5 million Kemp salary that the Reds are responsible for because Kemp still owed another $7 million that the Dodgers are paying. So just in the same way, front office, that you uh, pivoted and reallocated Homer Bailey's $25 million to those players, you needed to further the job and find a place for Kemp because you knew you were going with Puig and Wright and you knew you wanted Jesse Winker and left. 
You should have did your due diligence and, 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 and flipped over some rocks, flipped over whatever you had to do, and try and find another player that would have fit your team, whether it be a reliever or a starter who might be overpaid. And Zach Greinke was the way to go. Of course, there was hurdles like the no trade clause. But let's get back to this. So the offense, I just don't know how to tell you this, this people, but for the last three games, the Reds got a total of uh, 12 hits. The last three shutouts that the Reds have been shut out in, in a row, three hits, last night six hits, and today three hits. So after accumulating 12 hits over the last three shutouts, that's right, the scoreless inning streak is now sitting at like 28 innings. So what can the Reds do to fix this? I got to tell you, the first step was making the decision to go with Kemp, Puig, and Winker in the outfield. Of course, they went with Kemp, Winker, and Puig, but... Putting Scott Shebler on the bench and having him be the fourth outfielder where his skill set is the better coming as a pinch hitter late in games, facing uh, hard-throwing relievers, that was the first step. Okay, we've already talked about that. So the next step is, and this is more drastic, and short of firing David Bell in a Tony Perez quick hook manner, which I don't think they're going to do because Gus Bell's an advisor, and I don't see them firing David Bell and embarrassing that family. And uh, I think that they need to trade a player. And, you know, I've been harping on Kemp for Granky, and I've been talking about Shebler, you know, trading Shebler, you know, to the Toronto Blue Jays or whatnot or Cleveland Indians. But the way to shake up this roster and uh, – have a message sent from the front office to shake up this clubhouse is to trade one of the stars. So am I talking about Joey Votto? No. That guy is going to retire red, hopefully. I pray he does. Am I talking about trading Jose Peraza? Well, I wish, but they're not going to trade Jose Peraza because Dick Williams has his, you know, 10 bad trades to his one silver lining player that worked out in Jose Peraza. So they won't be trading Jose Peraza, even though they turned down Jose Ramirez and Mike Clevenger and another rookie or another uh, pitching prospect for Todd Frazier and chose to go to directly to the uh, rival of the uh, Cleveland Indians and do a three-way trade and send Frazier to the White Sox as the uh, Indians' American League Central rival. That's how this front office operated on that particular matter. Ended up getting a lesser player in Peraza when they could have had Jose Ramirez and Mike Clevenger in the rotation. So, are they going to trade Suarez? I don't think so. They got him on that cherry contract. So, I'm going to make a suggestion on what they need to do. They need to trade Tucker Barnhart. And I'm not saying I don't like Tucker Barnhart. By the way, Tucker Barnhart got robbed today of a hit. Um, you got to give props to those uh, Pittsburgh Pirates middle infielders. Frazier robbed Puig of a, a hit, stabbed it out of the uh, 
air, got a double play. But this was later in the game. Barnhart put a nice little jolt into a baseball and a heck of a play by the Pirates middle infield to retire Barnhart. But I'm going to say they need to trade Barnhart and trade him to the Padres. Padres are win-now mode. Padres wanted uh, JT Romalto, who I wish that the Reds would have gotten. And I think this whole entire uh, offense problem would be solved right now. But I'll tell you the reason they're not going to trade Barnhart is because the pitchers are doing so well with him. But I think the key here is you trade Barnhart and send a message. You got Kirk and Sally that can step in there, probably do a serviceable job, way better job offensively. I'm going to suggest they trade Tucker Barnhart to shake up that clubhouse and say, hey, man, we're not going to take this uh, performance by you guys. You guys got to step up to the plate, figuratively. And literally, by the way, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to suggest that they trade Tucker Barnhart to the San Diego Padres, and I'm going to suggest that they try and work a work a deal where they can get uh, Louis Patino, who's a top ten prospect over there, Logan Allen, which is another left handed pitcher, and uh, try and bring back uh, Mija, who the Reds or the Padres got. For Brad Hand straight up last uh, trade deadline. Mija could uh, immediately be a catcher for the Reds. Uh, split some time with Kirk Sally, And as uh, Mija gets better and more familiar. He could end up coming in and uh, catching. And actually giving an offensive boost to this team. Because Mija. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. So correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, he's a catcher. Rifle arm. He could end up being the cleanup hitter for this team as early as 2020, maybe even as early as uh, later this year. So I'm going to suggest that the Reds trade Tucker Barnhart for Francisco Mejia, right-hander Louis Patino, and left-hander Logan Allen. And that's going to shake up this roster enough where instead of firing David Bell, because I don't think you can do that, I don't think they will do that. I think it would be a mistake to do that. I'm saying that right now. Put me on the record. It would be a mistake to fire David Bell. Derek Johnson and Turner Ward aren't going to be happy. I believe you do the reverberate this. uh, You send shockwaves down to that clubhouse by trading Tucker Barnhart. You reload a couple minor league pitchers that are going to be star waltz in your rotation for years to come. And you get Mejia or Maya, or whatever you pronounce his last name, to be your catcher with Casale. The Padres will get their defensive catcher in Barnhart in an upgrade offensively to their catcher right now, who their catcher is pretty good defensively, but he's really a bad hitter. And that's why they're trying to get JT Romalto. So when the Phillies get JT Romalto, Tucker Barnhart is the next catcher highest on the list. And I believe that you could get that trade done. Now, I'd rather have McKenzie Gore and Mejia, but if they can get Patino and uh, Allen and Mejia, that's going to be a great package for Tucker Barnhart. It's going to send a message to this team. And uh, it's also going to say something about the Reds' front office not being, not being comfortable, being proactive, saying, hey, 
you know, start start swinging the bats. Let's make some offense happen here. Or, you know, we're not afraid to make some moves. Because you really can't demote anybody. So I'm telling you right now, that's what they got to do. Oh, and demote Wandy Peralta. I said they didn't have to demote anybody. I couldn't demote, demote anybody. Demote Wandy Peralta, bring up Phil Irvin to uh, play center field late in games. But you do this trade, I'm telling you what, it's going to straighten this team out. And uh, that's my idea to send shockwaves to that clubhouse and basically have a come-to-Jesus meeting without having a come-to-Jesus meeting. It'll tell every player in that clubhouse, hey, this isn't a game. Actually, it is a game. But, hey, this is a serious business. We got to give the fans something. And you guys right here are going to criticize me. Go, well, if we're giving the fans something, why are we trading Tucker Barner? Well, it's to get some starters in the pipeline for the Reds. And it's to get a really high-profile offensive catching prospect, which I know they have Tyler Stevenson. I'm not saying they don't. But he's another couple years away. Means he's ready to go right now. Casale can be his backup by the end of the year. I'm telling you, this is the trade to make. The Padres want to improve their catching position. And I believe, I even believe you could even send Peralta in this deal to sweeten it up, help them out with their uh, bullpen a little bit as well. And um, this trade will help the Reds write their course. It's going to do every. It's going to say everything that they need to say to that clubhouse, and to get some results going. Because you, short of firing David Bell, that's the, the you got to send a message to that to the clubhouse. Because I don't think that Derek Johnson can do any better job. He's having brilliant results, straightening these guys out, especially with them pounding the strikes. Like I said, pitch to contact, let the defense work behind them. Don't try and be perfect. Pound pound the strike zone where you need to be in those quadrants of the plate. So uh, this is the answer. And I'm telling you, is it is it going to make everybody happy? No, because there's people that love Ryan Hannigan. And they were like Star Walt Ryan Hannigan fans. And Barnhart's got a gold glove. So he's even harder to give up. But I'm telling you what, they got to do something. Barnhart's worth a ton right now. And this trade... Will reload the uh, the minor league system a little bit and really help the Reds out for the right now and the and and long term. So um, until then, until they can find a taker for Shebler or Camp or whatever, which I don't think they'll find a taker for Camp right now. I think this is the way to go, and it's going to fix the team. So why don't you guys chew on that? Tell me what you think. Let's talk about the good things. Three good things. Sonny Gray, amazing today. Six and two-thirds innings, three hits, one earned run. No walks. So proud of Sonny Gray. Seven Ks, four on that curve. His only mistake came on a hanging breaking ball to D-E-Y Kang. And uh, other good things. Well, the other good thing is Scott Shebler being on the bench and brought in correctly. So that's a good thing. And uh, what else can we say is a good thing that happened today? I'm going to go with, um, well, you know what? I don't think there's a third good thing, my friends, because nothing really else happened good. Uh, Garrett came in and did his job, struck out his batter. 
Hughes came in, lowered his ERA, got two thirds of an inning, didn't allow anything. But uh, really, I I really can't count those. Uh, I really can't count those things as good things. I mean, they're it's a good thing that happened, but not like standout good things. So literally, we kind of only have two good things that came out. The bad things, which I usually have three bad things list, it's still the 28 scoreless inning streak, three shutouts in a row, 12 hits, uh, David Bell not thinking, uh, having a game plan. Maybe he has a game plan, but today was really bad managing, just like yesterday was. Yesterday, Peraza should have got those outs. Today, David Bell just really, really is trying to, I don't know if you can say that it's a, this is the right way to say it. He's like trying to outsmart himself or something or outsmart somebody, but he's not doing the correct moves. Like I said, don't waste Garrett. Leave Gray out there. 83 pitches through six and two-thirds innings. That's efficient. Remember I talked about efficiency and how important that was to not walk batters and to pound that strike zone to be more efficient because the walks is what drags these games out, what makes the uh, starters – uh, labor and gets the starters pulled early in the fifth or sixth innings when they're at like 90 plus pitches. So anyway, really proud of Sonny Gray. Um, I can't think of any other good things or bad things to say, but um, everybody's got to have leave this Reds line game recap with three awesome starts in a row. Castillo, Male, and Gray can make this a really interesting season. I don't think the bats are going to be quiet for the rest of the year, but this is pretty embarrassing right now. And uh, David Bell keeps getting interviewed and saying, well, we're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to dwell on it. We're just, uh, we're trained to do, we're trained not to dwell on things. We're professionals. Well, I agree with that, David Bell, but I'll tell you what, man, you got a problem. And the only way to fix this problem is, is to continue to leave Shebler on the bench. You need to shake up this roster, Dick Williams, Nick Crawl, and that's my suggestion. You try and negotiate with the San Diego Padres, send them your gold glove catcher, Tucker Barnhart, bring back Francisco Mija, or Meja, uh, right-handed pitcher, Luis Patino, and left-handed pitcher, Logan Allen. You fix that pipeline of starters for yourself, Padres get their offensive catcher they need and uh, elite catcher they need. And you bring in Major Meja over here. And uh, you have a uh, basically a catcher of the future starting this year now. And I believe by putting him in the middle of the lineup, I believe you can hit him sixth. Well, no, that's Praza's spot. Keep Praza sixth. You can bat Meja seventh going forward. And by the end of the year, he'll be hitting fourth. I promise you, that guy can hit a ball a long way. Longer than Scott Shebler, if you were listening to yesterday's game recap. So, my Reds Nation, you have been listening to Reds Line. And uh, I know things are down in the dumps right now. You need to lift up your chins, Red Nation, and be so proud of Luis Castillo, Tyler Male, and Sonny Gray. Because I'm telling you right now, these three guys are going to be lights out all season. Now, they're going to have some bumps on the road. I'm not going to lie. But these guys are going to feed each- off each other. And this is going to be great. And I'm hoping that next time Tanner Rourke's out there, which uh, all in all 
is going to be uh, pretty soon. It's um, going to be tomorrow. If Tanner Rourke can give this team seven solid innings, I don't care if he gives up three runs, four runs, as long as he pitches seven innings, it's kind of efficient, keeps the keeps it four earned runs or less. That gives a shot for this offense. And I know you're saying, well, they haven't scored in three games. Well, as long as it's four earned runs or less, Tanner Rourke gives seven innings, solid innings. That's all we need. Because we got to have Tanner Rourke pitching seven, eight innings, providing a uh, breather for the bullpen. And uh, doing his job. That's really his job is to accumulate 200 innings this year in the middle of that Reds rotation. And uh, as I said, I think the Reds are going to get a perfect game thrown on them uh, tomorrow. And uh, this is reverse psychology, Reds Nation, because remember I've said that they're going to break out against Musgrave and, and the pitcher of the day before. Not Tyler Glassow. Remember, I confused him. The, the pitcher that was traded to the uh, Rays. Um, who I think they got Chris Archer back in the Chris Archer deal. So, the last two pitchers, I said the Reds were going to annihilate them. 11 runs and not 10 runs. So, I'm going to predict that tomorrow, Todd Williams pitches a perfect game. Because I think in reverse psychology, in the ether... That now that I've said that I predict a perfect game against the Reds, now they're going to unleash hell on on Williams and the Pirates tomorrow. So, let's hope that works, Reds Nation. And uh, I'm glad you were here. I'm glad you guys sat around long enough to listen to my ideas. I'm glad you entered the Reds Line Zone. <laughs>